this week, part two of my interview with Adam Stachowiak. Adam's a podcast maven and currently hosts three shows, The Industry, Founders Talk, and The Changelog. If you've ever wanted to start a podcast or you have a podcast that you want to make better, this is the show for you because this is a podcast about making podcasts. Podcast Champion delves into the tricks and tips to producing great audio content. Let's get started. Yeah. Um, but but in terms of WordPress, a simple recipe there would be uh, Media Element JS. There's a plugin for that. There's a couple nice skins out there for Media Element JS. It's got fallback support for you know, it, it throws it into HTML5, you know, using that um, using that audio protocol. Um, it works great. It looks great. We use it on the industry. And all you have to do is point to an audio file. It doesn't matter if it's on your server or elsewhere on the web. It's going to grab it and be able to play it. Mm-hmm. So I'd say, you know, use Buzzsprout as an easy, affordable way to jump in. Yeah. And, uh, and just grab that audio link wherever they host it at on Buzzsprout, whatever the link ends up being, whenever you publish that, that show, mm-hmm. grab the audio link and, you know, add the media element JS plug into your WordPress setup and just post the audio file. Yeah. And that's all it is. And then it's just a normal post and you can, you know, put that under the category podcast and tag it as, as needed. Or if yeah. you're really savvy, you can make a custom post type if you want it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I was just wondering about that because, like, I, I use WP Engine and, you know, I've had a lot of traffic to sites I've hosted on there. I, I was wondering why some people might decide to host the files elsewhere. And I, I was assuming it was just volume, like there's, you know, you might get charged for that or something. Well, yeah, that, well, that's going to, that's totally true. Like, if you have that audio file and a high traffic podcast and a blog serving from the same disk, for lack of better terms, mm-hmm. you could have some potential problems because you got request for your audio files and, and whatnot, and then also request for your contents. That's MySQL touches, that's PHP touches, you know, all, all that fun stuff going on there. Another thing is, I think, is like CDN needs, because I don't know about you, but the podcasts that I've ever done are international immediately because of the internet. Like mm-hmm. Japan, Europe, we've got huge listenership in Europe on the industry. We've got People all over the U.S. listen to it. Obviously, you're in Canada, so you listen to it. Yeah. Um, people from Argentina, you know, South America, Haiti. I mean, you name it. People listen to. I'm, I'm maybe stretching it with Haiti, but um, <laughs> I'm sure there's maybe a Jamaican or something like that that might listen to my show. Yeah. Um, or have at least heard it. So, you know, it's international. So the CDN is a necessity as well. So Buzzsprout actually uses. Buzzsprout is a a basically a nice podcast-specific user interface to S3 because they host it on S3 too. Okay. And so because S3 is, you know, syndicated all over the world, they got the CDN thing going on, you're going to have a pretty accessible file anywhere in the world. Hmm. Interesting. That's actually really helpful, even just that, to – to kind of hear what you guys are doing and yeah we're we're gonna host it on we we started on tumblr but uh yeah kind of three you know three posts in we realized that that wasn't going to work so now we switched well, to wordpress a note about tumblr though is that so i mentioned the change log 
And so mm-hmm. let me just mention some numbers to make you feel at ease about your situation. Sure. Because the changelog has been on um, – so the changelog.com is this, is this blog and podcast that talks about uh, open source software, for lack of better terms. You know, So it's a, a fun environment. You, you probably know it well. Uh, WordPress is open source, and a number of other things we've talked about on the shows are open source. Yeah. Um, so that blog has been there f- actually – the 16th of this month or earlier this month was its third birthday. So it's, it's three years old. It's going into its fourth year <laughs> and it's been on Tumblr since day one. We've had almost 3 million listens across the entire podcast and we host it on Tumblr. Now we don't actually host the, the files on Tumblr. We use mm-hmm. Buzzsprout for that show as well. Mm-hmm. And so the same recipe with WordPress is the recipe with, with uh, Tumblr. We just, find an HTML5 solution, we point to the file and people play it wherever we put it at, you know, because the RSS feed that iTunes consumes isn't the same feed we have to, like, reconsume to put it on a web page so people can listen to it, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. It doesn't have to be the same feed. Yeah. You get caught up in, like, you know, you, like, you can't break the model. You know, there's some sort of standard out there you can't break. Podcasting is just an audio file being played. Yeah. And in fact, I've stopped even caring how many people listen to the show because at one point I cared, and now I just I just don't care anymore. Yeah, I just don't care. I huh. think if you're gonna if you're gonna enjoy it, you're gonna enjoy it. And if we keep hearing people talk to us about the show, then obviously somebody's listening to it. But I'm like done, done looking at numbers. <laughs> and it's not because I'm frustrated. It's just because like I just don't care anymore. Yeah, I just do it because I enjoy it. It's obviously a part of my life. I've been doing podcasting since 2007. I mean, I haven't been doing it for years and years and years, but I mean, I'm going on you know, over five years now of podcasting. So I'm just done looking at stats because if I sit there and look at the stats for the rest of my life on podcasting and the shows I produce, it's nice to know at least a number so that you know that you're heading the right direction, but not like blog traffic, not like a, the latest article where you see you've got, you know, you're at the top of. Hacker News, and you've gotten 30,000 visits today because it's the top article or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, forget it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is a good time to maybe rewind. And I want to get into just your story. Like, how did you get into podcasting in the first place? Um, so I, uh, I think it was like uh, mid-2006, late 2006, I had uh, – through other work, because I was working, uh, I was building a, um, I guess for lack of better terms, like a web agency, and we were we had a client. We were building out this this Rails website. Had never done anything with Rails before, and so I was seeking people to work with. And I happened to stumble into um, the people that started this show called the Web 2.0 Show, and it started back in 2005. It was, you know, you mentioned that first wave of podcasting. Mm-hmm. This was. You know, this was certainly in that first wave of podcasting, super popular. I mean, so popular that, you know, that even Kevin Rose and a lot of people like him knew and knew it well. Dan Cedarholm Holmes been on that show. Um, all sorts of people you could think of that that are um, that are famous now, internet famous now, mm-hmm. have been on that show. Yeah. And so uh, I started working with Josh Owens through this company I was building on this rail site, and they happened to be the the host of that show and long story short we became friends we started working together 
Um, and in 2000, end of 2006, he was telling me how the uh, the previous um, host that that worked with him on that show wasn't into it anymore, and he needed you know he needed a, a new person to come in and step in, and so he offered the option to me. Hmm. And at the time, I had never done anything like literally. I've never recorded my voice and heard it before. Yeah, I first knew I was, and so I was like, "Are you sure?" I mean, I have I have no idea what I'd say. Probably the same thing that everyone else out there who's never podcasted before, or you know, done a radio show or recorded themselves and had conversation that's recorded, uh, say to themselves like, "I I don't know. I've never done it before. I have no idea." That's right. And so I tried it out. And we had a couple of conversations and we talked to people. Yeah, if you go back and listen to some of the earlier shows I was on, you'll totally hear the, you know, the lack of um, belief in myself, and hmm. you know, you hear how I was a little shy or whatever, because I just didn't know I hadn't done it before, and I've also I've also gotten a lot smarter since then too. I've gained a lot more experience, so I'm more outspoken about my opinions. Yeah, and then I was a little unsure of myself. I can totally say that. So that's how I got my start in podcasting. I got asked to do a show. It was like I stumbled into it accidentally. And then uh, we were in a business together, and long story short, that partnership dissolved and things didn't work out the way we expected them to. And I kept doing the Web 2.0 show. I, tur- I turned it in a little different direction. And um, and uh, the conversations I was having didn't really reflect the show name anymore, so I decided to stop doing that show and retire it and start this new show called Founders Talk. And um, just through connections and you know the way things work, I knew Dan Benjamin. We had a conversation. I mentioned he, he really wanted me to do the Web 2.0 show on his network, 5x5. And I was like, that show's dead. You know, it's, it's over. It doesn't have a future, in my opinion. Yeah. Because you know, the Web 2.0 is a, a, a it, that name will eventually not be cool anymore. That's and right. So, so therefore, the show will not be cool because the name isn't cool, and I didn't want that. Mm-hmm. So I wanted I wanted to be like Seinfeld and kind of like put it away while it was still kind of cool. Yeah. And uh, and that's where that's where it sat then. And so I did Founders Talk on on I gave Dan the pitch of what I thought Founders Talk should be and what I wanted to do with the show, and he believed in me. Um, and we put the show on five by five, and it's still there now. I don't have any plans to move it. Um, I haven't done a show in a little bit because I've been so freaking busy with um, my life, and I got married this year. I bought a house earlier this year. You know, a lot of crazy stuffs happened in my life, so I've just been like crazy busy. But um, Founders Talk's uh, super important to me, and I want to get back to doing more of it. But there's a time and place for that. So yeah. Soon. And and what year did that start? What did, year did you start Founders Talk? Founders Talk started in 2010. October 2010 was the first um, first first show for it. And, okay. Yeah. So two it's uh, two years old now. Yeah, two years okay. old. And uh, so that's so that's how you kind of that's how you got on Five by Five. That's how you met Dan Benjamin. Um, and uh, how did and what was next? Was so was ChangeLog before Founders Talk or after? Uh, it was uh, Founders Talk was after the ChangeLog actually. Okay. Um, yeah, we started the ChangeLog in October. I don't think, no November two thousand nine. There's a funny story behind that one because um, at the time, and I'm still into into writing my CSS using the SaaS way, but um, at the time, 
um, I wanted to do a podcast on SaaS in particular. And SaaS is this, uh, for those who are listening to this and don't know, SaaS is this uh, meta layer on top of CSS that basically writes CSS. So it's called uh, it's called SaaS and technically awesome style sheets. Mm-hmm. So instead of writing CSS, you write SaaS and it writes the CSS for you. It's so very similar to CoffeeScript as it is to JavaScript. Yeah. Um, and so anyways, I wanted to do this show around SaaS, but I knew it was a very limited audience, and um, I knew it probably couldn't go anywhere, and if it did, it would, it would be very slow, it would be you know, big uphill battle. And so I was talking to my good friend, Wynn Netherland, and we were just kind of just throwing some ideas because we were both at this kind of turning point in our lives. We had both left previous positions, and we were kind of like, looking for new opportunities, you know, as side projects, new side project opportunities, basically. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I'm like, you know, it'd be really cool to do this show called Changelog or, you know, do something where it's called Changelog and the whole premise of the show would be to look at cool open source software and just look at the latest things from their Changelog and talk about, you know, why this change happened or what, why, you know, XYZ was taken out or why this new feature was put in in the latest revision or version or whatever. And, you know, one thing led to another, one conversation led to another, and next thing you know, we're, uh, like, the very next day, we're creating a blog on Tumblr um, and registering a domain and doing all that different stuff, and so we started a blog and called the changelog. It's on thechangelog.com, still there now, um, where... I think 85 or so shows in, almost 3 million listens across those 85 shows. Oh, wow. Um, you know, a couple million page views on the site over the years and stuff. So it's, and that was just, you know, a happy accident. I mean, it took a lot of hard work. Wynn's a great content producer, and we've had some other writers work with us on the blog content, and we've had a lot of, a lot of really great conversations around open source on the show. Mm-hmm. But but yeah, that was before Founders Talk though. So that started in two thousand nine. Okay, and then let's let's move on to Founders Talk. How did how did what was the genesis of that show? Um, well, I mentioned the Web two point show, and I was doing this. I don't remember what show number it was, but I was talking to David Hauser um, from Grasshopper. He's the one of the co founders of Grasshopper. Okay. And I met him actually at uh, LessConf, the very first Less Conference. If you've heard of that, so yeah, from the guys at Less Everything, they do that conference. So I was at the very first LessConf, and I haven't been back since. So sorry, Alan, I will be back soon. <laughs> I haven't been uh, able to get there, but very first LessConf, uh, met David Hauser from Grasshopper. I'd known him before because they used to be called Got Vmail, and actually was one of those. People that actually used got Vmail from way back in the day, but they rebranded, called themselves um, Grasshopper. Long story short, I met David, had uh, had lunch with him at uh, at LessConf, and just really liked the guy and had him on the show. Talked to him about you know how Grasshoppers changed over the years and a lot of fun stuff. They have a really fun story, and just through that uh, relationship with with talking to him on that show. Um, he really liked the show that I produced, the, the Web 2.0 show, and the conversation we had, and he kind of uh, talked a bit about it. And I kept telling him I wanted to do more with it, and he, uh, they actually ended up working with me on this thing called 
um, called Pitch the Show because my show was all about featuring software and founders, similar to Founders Talk, but uh, that was kind of like the genesis of where Founders Talk came from. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we were working on this thing called Pitch the Show. Long story short, just through conversation, and uh, I, I again, I told him, I'm like, I don't really, really don't care for the title of this podcast anymore because it has a shelf life, and I don't feel it adequately represents the kind of content I want to produce. So I want to do something different. I want to create a new show. I was, you know, kind of over, not podcasting and, and the kind of content I was producing. I was over calling it what I was calling it. it just didn't mm-hmm. fit the bill anymore because nobody could connect with it. You know, like you you hear founders talk, and immediately you understand. It's probably about founders. Yeah. Right. It's not hard to get that. If I'd say, yeah, come on my show called the Web 2.0 Show, and it's a little harder. What's what was that one about? It's harder to tell people about. So I just didn't dig it. Yeah. And so, anyways, I was telling David, I'm like, I'm like, you know, he's trying to help me come up with some names, and we happen to be on a Skype call at the time, and I'm like, I'm like, I got it. Founders talk. Like, I'm like, it just needs to be so simple that anybody can get it. Yeah. Founders talk. And the whole show is nothing about nothing but me talking to people who create companies, yeah. both online and offline. It doesn't matter what kind of founder you are, whether you're a tech founder or a restaurant founder, you know, anybody who's a business founder could be on that show and it would be relevant. You know, it didn't pigeonhole me, it didn't label me, it didn't isolate me into the kind of content I could produce. I think the only barrier to entry is that you're a founder or somebody who has created something. So yeah. I've bent the rules a little bit. So if you've created something, you're still a founder of an idea, you know, mm-hmm. or a movement. And so that's the genesis of Founders Talk. And and so we, uh, what how what was the genesis of the industry though? How did you guys decide to start that show? Well, on Founders Talk, I had Drew Wilson on the show, and I, I up until about. I guess a couple weeks before I recorded that show with uh, on Founders Talk with Drew Wilson, uh, I didn't know Drew Wilson. I only knew of him through just you know channels like you probably know him. You know, mm-hmm. just he's somebody who's awesome on the web. Yeah, and so I ended up chatting with him, um, and then I said, "Hey, you should come on the show." And he came on the show, and we had a really good conversation the first time, and. Um, I had such a good time having him on the show that I decided to have him back for part two because he's got a pretty deep, long story. Mm-hmm. I mean, the guy's into all sorts of stuff. I mean, he's got umpteen side projects. He's got he's been doing web development since like '95, so he's got you know you know. I guess in 2015 he'd have 20 years of web development experience, which is huge. I mean, that's a lot. So he's got a huge story. Yeah, that's and great. So you know, having this two part. Go ahead. Yeah. Sorry, I I'd never actually heard of him before I started listening to the industry, and I I was just looking at his his web page, and it's insane. Like normally you'll see someone with a couple side projects, but he just has yeah. project after project and product after product. It's unreal. And they're like, I haven't actually tried any of these as products, but the marketing material is. You know, it's all beautifully designed, and it just looks solid. It looks like it's, you know, being generated by a much larger team. It's crazy. Yeah, and and nine times out of ten, because I mean, he does partner with people to do some things, but mainly it's just for certain tasks, not for the whole thing. And Drew's very much a one-man 
uh, a one man um, one man show, I guess you'd say. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I had Drew on the show, and we kicked it off well. People liked it. The the, the fans of the Thunder's Talk said, you know, hey, you guys are really good together on air. You should think about doing something other, uh, you know, some another show or something else. Yeah. And I kind of took that idea away, and that was. That was what got me thinking about doing something with Drew. That wasn't exactly how the industry began, but that's kind of what opened the door. Yeah. And then how did you meet Jared? So I met Jared through Drew. Um, Drew and Jared back in October of 2011 started uh, the industry, the industry blog. And Uh. so it was like November-ish, yeah, October, November-ish time frame. Drew and Jared partnered up and – created the industry blog and at that time it was just an, the industry blog and there was no podcast and uh, and I happened to put that idea I just told you about in my back pocket and pulled it pulled it out in January of 2012 so the start of this new year I was you know it, it seems like at the beginning and at the ends of the year I itch for a new project Mm-hmm. And uh, I was noticing that trend. You were saying October, October, November. Yeah, <laughs> I, I've noticed that recently too. I'm like, you know, October's and November seems to be. So maybe when me and my wife have a baby, maybe it'd be like October, November, or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> Anyways, so it seems, yeah. So like New Year's uh, time frame and end of year time frame seems to be this itching. Maybe it's the the you know the winter you know that kind of sets into you and makes you kind of be a more of a homebody than you normally are during the summertime. I, I don't know. Yeah. Anyways, in uh, in January uh, this year, earlier, I, I was like, all right, I'll reach out to Drew because I was talking to designers and people who do product design more and more on Founders Talk, and I was really enjoying those conversations. I'm a designer. Um, I'm more on the UX side of design, more on the functional, how does it work, you know, how do people use it, product development side of design. Yeah. And I am on the beautification graphical side of it. But uh, I really enjoy and and connect with people of all design walks of life. Mm-hmm. And so I was really enjoying those conversations and I enjoyed talking with Drew. I'm like, you know, hey, people really enjoyed the show we did together. Uh, I know you're, all, you're into side projects. You want to do a podcast together on, you know, talking about design. I'm just kicking up the idea. I don't even have a working prototype in, in, in mind, really. And then uh, he said, uh, yeah, I totally would be down for it if we can do it on the industry. And I had no idea what the industry was. He sends me a link. I go there and I check it out. I'm like, Dude, this is awesome. Totally. Let's let's do it. Let's talk to, talk to the details. So later that day, we hop on the phone. Very first time I ever talked to Drew Wilson on the phone. Um, <laughs> not, that, not that he's like super famous and untouchable, but like we don't often talk to our internet buddies on a phone. That's like, right. You talk through Skype or through Twitter or email. So actually having a voice-to-voice conversation on the phone was a little unusual for me. So yeah, uh, I'm like, hey, I got this idea. You know, What do you think about it? And he starts telling me about the industry and all this stuff. And I'm like, well, we could do this. We could do that. And so he, uh, he, he and uh, Jared went back and talked and Drew offered me uh, – this you know basically this chief broadcasters slot that they wanted to to build out eventually anyways and you know build that industry podcast and um you know a portion of the ownership of of the industry's company too because the industry is a is a corporation it's a 
uh, Industry Media Corp is actually the company. So, kind of, kind of got some equity in the company as well. Starting the podcast, and it's that's been the that's how I met Jared through Drew and that. Interesting. Now, this is actually a perfect segue into something I'm really interested in, which is the business of podcasting. Is is there a business in podcasting? Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, you can make a lot of money. You can make a little bit of money. Um, I think if you work hard and you and you know, like me, I have a day job, so it's a little harder for me to like devote my every waking moment to podcasting. So you know, you tend to make a little less when you do that, but you make some enough to at least make it worth your while or make extra money. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're someone like Dan Benjamin, so if you use Dan Benjamin as the is the, you know, if you look at it from a left and right scale or some sort of up and down scale, like one extreme to the other, Dan Benjamin, Leo Laporte, uh, Jason Calacanis, th- those people would be on the extreme right of like doing it full time, making money at it because not because you can, but because they've taken their entire schedule, their entire career, and placed it into putting their personality out there, whether it's them themselves doing shows or helping others who would be good at doing shows like uh, Horace Deju. Like he, he does all these awesome stats around Apple and mobile and you know all these great things that he does with his own business, but he probably wouldn't have done a podcast on his own if Dan mm-hmm. didn't kind of grab him and say, hey, you should do this thing on, uh, on, on my network. So if it hadn't been for Dan, he probably wouldn't do a show. So you have those kinds of people that that uh, just devote their full life to it, and they make a business out of it because there's totally a business to be done there. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you that Dan that Dan has had an easy road. It's been hard. He's also a software developer, so he's been able to build his own Rails setup. He's a software developer, you know. All his, uh, I guess, he's a designer too. I wouldn't. I don't think Dan would call himself a designer, but. He's mm-hmm. certainly got some design chops, so he could build his own bespoke website, and it could do whatever he wants. So he's built his own Rails site that does his own audio stuff. He can build his own RSS feed, so he doesn't need an external service like Buzzsprout. He can totally go vanilla and build a custom setup for 5x5, five five. Mm-hmm. and he can make a business out of it because he's got the necessary talents and skills. Does everybody have that? Probably not. Can you make money at podcasting still without those skills? Absolutely, mm-hmm. because podcasting isn't is not the microphone. It's not. Um, it, it's it's just a radio show. It's like an amateur internet-based radio show. It's no different than what you'd hear on the radio. The only difference is is what you make of it. So it can be as professional or as unprofessional as you like. Really, I mean, mm-hmm. it's, and it's just audio. Is there a is there a business like like if you're on a network like Five by Five, do you make can you make money just being a host on someone else's network, or do you think um, the you know if you're kind of an independent minded producer, it's better to just go out on your own and try to build your own audience and go out and find your own sponsors? Well, I think now I think the there's value in what Dan provides to the people that work with him. Um, and myself included. Now, see, I'm in like this unusual s- space or a spot because um, 
if you listen to the industry radio show, you would have heard Jared or Drew or myself talk about how we're going to be building some sort of podcast network. It's mm. not because we desire to be what Dan has. Yeah. It's not even going to be the kind of network that Dan is. It's just it's just people that it's um it's kind of like a group of friends, you know. It's no different than that. Yeah. It's probably the same way that Dan's network grew. Our, our network will grow because we want to lift up people who are producing awesome content. So people like Tim Smith and uh, Galen Gidman and others who are into podcasting already or who want to get into podcasting can work with us in the industry. Sure, it's a business relationship. We have, you know, we have sponsor slots. We'll we'll work out and stuff like that. And you know, at the end of the day, it, there's a, you know some level of an agreement. It could be, you know, it's a business. Mm-hmm. Um, but you could totally make money being independent. You can probably. I guess it depends on on how much time you want to dedicate to it. If you hop on something like the industry or Five by Five, or some other podcast network that's that's makes sense for your niche or the content you're going to produce, then you know weigh the costs of what it takes to be on there and what kind of options you have for selling your own ads or having them sell your ads. I personally, I I uh, I don't dislike advertisers and I don't dislike. Um, doing advertisements for other people, but I I'm in this kind of weird space. Hopefully, I'm not really sure how it's going to work out, but I'm in this weird space where I don't want to I don't want to work with sponsors anymore. Huh. Not because I don't like them, not because um, I think they're bad. I think it's a I think it's a flawed business model to produce awesome content. This is this goes into another um, podcasting slash content production methodology I have. If you're going to produce awesome uh, content on a consistent basis like you're going to do with a podcast or a blog or something like that, and you're going to build that around a community of people, why do you do all the work necessary to do all that and be successful at it only to sell ads? Mm-hmm. Like, Is the reason you're producing that podcast to sell ads? No, probably not because if you if you ask people who listen to podcasts, they probably hate the ads, and it's not that they hate them all. It, it's just that they – I guess it kind of depends on, on the ad or the advertiser. Like a lot of Dan's, they're very tasteful ads, but still yet, all you really want to listen to is the juicy content. Mm-hmm. You don't really care about the advertiser. And so I have some ideas I'm not going to expose here right now, but I've got some ideas on ways to change that. They're not brand-new breakthrough ideas. Mm-hmm. They're like ideas that have been there for a while. I just – I'm at the point where I've been doing it long enough that – I don't want to make what I do make or break it on the fact that I have an advertiser or not or a sponsor for the show or not or have to hunt down that person to sponsor the show and tell them about my numbers. Like, Forget it. If you don't know my show and you don't know my numbers, it's not about the numbers. It's about the community that I'm I'm hopefully exposing you to, and there's value in that. You either pay or you don't. Interesting. Well, I – I'm interested in seeing what where you're going with that and what uh, so this is something you're working on with the industry some new kind of a new business model for podcasting. Yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, it's I mean it's not it's new for those. It's not a brand new idea. I mean, so it's not like nobody has done something like this before. I'm just sick of doing podcasting the way that everybody else has done it before, which is uh, create a great show, have great content, sell ads. Yeah, it's pretty lame. I, I think it's a flawed yeah. business model because at the end of the day, you're always having to. Uh, it, it's not 
um, what do you call it? It's not passive. I, I constantly have to work to find new sponsors or attract new sponsors in order to get paid mm-hmm. to yeah. do the work. And to me, that kind of sucks. Or if you're so popular, you can't stop them from calling you. That's another problem. I also don't want to just like waste, you know, potentially ten, five, you know, five minutes, seven minutes of my my showtime on on advertising for somebody else. I'd rather find a way to advertise for myself and advertise the stuff that's on my shows and my networks and what I'm up to. Mm-hmm. And I just think there's there's a, a different way to do it. Yeah, and I don't exactly believe in the status quo on how podcasting is done around how it's making money now. Yeah. Well, there seems to be like there seems to be lots of opportunities especially to sell like if you think about 37 signals and sell, selling your your garbage or your waste. Um, there is a lot of potential waste with podcasting uh, that you could, that people would be interesting, interested in that would add value, uh, you know, in, in different areas. So, yeah, yeah, I totally think so too. Cool. Well, that's, that's great. What, has there been any other benefits to you, you know, career wise or professionally uh, having this profile as a, a podcaster? Oh yeah, man. I mean, I think uh, I've met so many awesome people getting the blessing or having the blessing of producing the shows that I've been able to produce. Um, I've met some really great people, had some really great conversations, and I, maybe sometimes I take it for granted, not so much like uh, like I don't appreciate it, take it for granted, but more like um, more like not everybody gets that luxury or that or that uh, that that gift like I've gotten. And I've mm-hmm. had some really good conversations with people who've started and failed. I mean, the guy that started Mail.com and then eventually got acquired by Rackspace, I've had that conversation with him hmm. and where and how he got started. And I've heard the fails and successes of some of the most coolest, awesome, well-to-know people, whether they're small or big, you know, in anybody's eyes. It doesn't really matter. So I've had a lot of fun uh, producing it for one. So I've, I've gained so much wealth of knowledge just from these people alone and then I get to you know provide I guess uh, a chance for others to listen to that same the same insights I got to discover I get to reshare that with everyone else who listens to those shows so it's like you know paying it forward for lack of better terms or getting to share that with everyone else and it's really nice I mean I, I've met lots of cool people I've been offered jobs I've gotten jobs not just through podcasting like it particularly, but just by building the network and being immersed in the community. You know, once you, uh, I don't know, it's kind of like just being known for whatever you just, you get elevated and become known by other people. So good things come your, your way. Mm -hmm. I I don't think that podcasting in particular has done anything that, uh, that just networking in general. I mean, think about people who just blog it's no different than a blogger. Do they get more opportunities because they have a voice and they they um, they're able to help other people get exposed to other people, make connections and stuff like that? Same concepts. I mean, yeah, I think it's pays it's paid off in spades. Mm-hmm. 
you asked about the business of podcasting. I'll I'll leave this with you. I I don't think I've made. Um, I, I probably and maybe this is a a bad. Maybe it's a bad thing. Kind of depends. Dan Benjamin probably not the same case, but me personally, the amount of money I've made and the amount of hours I've put into producing shows and podcasting in, in general, mm-hmm. um, I probably make minimum wage. You know, it's probably not a huge amount of income, but I think the benefits to podcasting is is the experience of doing it. Um, and in a lot of cases, you really cases you really can make a decent amount of money. It just kind of depends on how. Focused and dedicated, you want to be on making the money part. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've always just been focused on, uh, maybe to my detriment, but it's also the kind of person I'm. On. I'm not totally just focused on making money. I, th- I think there's more to life than than money. You know, yeah. relationships really, really matter to me. So I would place relationships over making money sometimes, and that's that's uh, seen through that. But I've been able to do a lot of fun stuff with podcasting and meet a lot of cool people. Um, yeah, I wouldn't wouldn't give it up. It, it, the one difference between blogging, I think, and podcasting is that podcasting is does seem to be much more re- relational. So you're actually talking to another person; you can hear their voice, uh, and there's something human about just being able to hear someone and have a conversation. Oh, yeah. And uh, I I've been even surprised by you know just reaching out to people like um, Patrick McKenzie, like we, Kyle and I have no shows on our belt. We have like these two phone calls and, you know, there's, there's, uh, we're complete amateurs. And yet I was surprised, like when I reached out to Amy Hoy, she said, oh yeah, I'd love to be on your podcast sometime. Or Patrick McKenzie, he said, oh yeah, I'd love to. He even said like, he gave me a date, like next week, like call me in the morning. And uh, we never followed up on it because we just, got too busy and, and we didn't feel like we were quite ready yet, but I, I couldn't you believe how, though, right? Well, that's right. I, I, yeah, I've You're fo- back though, right? Yeah. Yeah. I followed up with it and said, um, and so, yeah, we're the, the potential to build relationships and, you know, just have a conversation with people I think is really interesting. Yeah. I mean, you, you hit the nail on the head with relational and, so I've I've had the change log for a while. It's a blog. Um, I've done my own level of blogging here and there for a bit. The industry is a blog as well. Um, I started a, a website called the SaaS Way, which is a blog about SaaS. And uh, so I've done my fair share of of blogging, but it's never been the medium I've thrived at. Actually, mm-hmm. in a recent industry, we had um, uh, we had Chuck uh, Chuck Longenecker on the show, and he runs. Um, I said he runs digital telepathy is what he runs and yeah they do a, they they do a lot of fun stuff anyways um he was saying on that show um you know follow your uh follow your your um geez, what did he say again follow your bliss yeah what what he calls not what he calls what he referred to as your genius follow your you know your your bliss your genius mm-hmm. and to me personally I thrive at at producing a podcast and fostering good conversation than I do writing an article. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean it's a dead medium. It's just not the medium where I excel at. There are so many people that make tons and tons of money writing. You know, that are writers, that are reporters. Yeah, I find I I, I basically consider myself this form of the game. I consider myself like a 
a uh, an audio journalist, you know, or some sort of broadcast journalist, um, because I I really feel like I cover the beat of um, maybe not every single nook and cranny. That's not what I'm trying to go for. I'm not trying to go for uh, quantity. It's more like quality. Mm -hmm. That's what I always try to strive for: is really good content. And sometimes it sucks, and sometimes it's really great. But um, you know, I, I just try to strive for um, for that. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's great. I that's uh, that perspective is interesting, and um, I think like at at my heart, I I think there's two things that really drive me. I I. I'm driven by relationships. I like relationships, um, but I'm also a business guy, and uh, I've, I'm always interested in how people are making money and if they're making money and how people spend their time and what kind of return they get on their time. And um, the there's just a lot of question marks in um, I think all internet media actually because it's difficult to tell, you know, what what is actually happening behind the scenes or behind the mic. So you can get a general sense that, that folks like Leo Laporte and Dan Benjamin are running these networks and are doing quite well. Uh, I think Jason Calcanis said on a recent episode that he makes 500K a year on uh, Twist. Um, and so you can kind of get a sense of those. But then you wonder, like, you know, like uh, folks that are just, you know, on someone else's network, how are they doing? And folks that are just running their own independent podcast, how are they doing? And um, so, yeah, it's it's interesting to hear that that kind of uh, that you know your perspective on that. And and um, yeah, it's good. I guess it depends on how you want to make money too. Like Jason, he gets uh, a lot of advertisers, and if you hear that over and over, you keep hearing the same thing repeat. They they it's all about. Um, the advertisers nine times out of ten are their main source of income, mm-hmm. and uh, and to me it's okay. But like, gosh, I mean, if all the reason you're doing the show or doing those podcasts in general is is because you follow the money, right? You follow the money, and you'll figure out the the reason, right? Mm-hmm. In the um, you know, in the Bible it says, you know, where your money goes is where your heart also is, basically, and mm-hmm. uh, not in verbatim, but you know, in the just form. So, if you think about where the money flows, that's got to be somewhat the reason why you're doing it, right? Because you do it as a means because you like it, but at some point you got to get paid, so you got to also, you know, supply the passions and and desires of the getting paid part. Mm-hmm. And if you're doing it professionally, there's even more pressure on it. And maybe there's less pressure for someone like Jason Calacanis because he's so popular. Yeah. He's built a network. I mean, also notice the people that are really successful at it have a either a huge network or they're building their network. So you mentioned Amy Hoy. She's got a huge network of people that know and trust her. Yeah. Because she's been out there fighting the fight. It, to use Gary Vaynerchuk's words well, she's been in the trenches for years and years and years fighting the fight. Yeah. So it's not because she just stepped in there day one and got a bunch of friends and now she can do something and get paid for it. The same with Dan. Dan built a list apart. Dan's done a lot of cool stuff. He's he's ran he's been the CTO of very cool companies and he's built Corked and sold it to Gary Vaynerchuk and he's known Dan Cedarholm. And it doesn't that's not the reason why he built five by five and did it and was successful. It helped him because he already had a network. Or yeah. He had connections. So 
you can't come into uh, podcasting uh, or or producing a podcast with no network and expect to thrive. Mm-hmm. You got to start somewhere, so you have to be relative about where you're beginning and what your initial goals are. So you know if you're I, I don't know you well enough to know how deep your network is or how many people you know or um, what kind of connections you have, but if you have very little now, then I'd say your first goal is not so much to get paid. It's it's to build your network, to build mm-hmm. your trust. Yeah. Right? And once you have earned the trust of people and you become known by uh, at least a, a small amount of people, you know, then you can go further. A book I'd recommend highly, there's a couple books. Um Crush It from Gary would, would be a good one. There's a lot of cool stuff he talks about in there. A lot of very specific stuff that you can just glaze over on, but some very core stuff about caring. Like he had one chapter, and the the whole chapter was one word, care. Mm-hmm. I think he's, he's so right because if you don't care about what you're you're doing, they're going to they're gonna see right through it, and they, as the, your audience, they're going to see how unauthentic you may or may not be. Mm-hmm. Another good book to read would be uh, tribes by uh, Seth Godin and read his blog. Listen to what he's talking about. Like that guy is a magician when it comes to to um, how to not market, but how to spread whatever it is you have that's important to you to other people in a meaningful, real manner. You know, that's marketing. It's marketing. Mm-hmm. But tribes is a fantastic book. I would recommend listening to or reading time and time again. Like. Read it ten times. <laughs> You'll pick something up new every time. Yeah. Um, as a matter of fact, I mentioned that because um, today while I was eating lunch, I turned on my iPhone, flipped up an Audible, and played Tribes because I was like, I really need to hear stuff that Seth talks about in there. And you know, leading a tribe is leading a podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's great. Well. Adam, thanks again so much for your conversation. I'll, I'll let uh, I'll let you go, but I'm I'm hoping we can chat again soon. And yeah, uh, this has been really helpful. This has actually brought up a lot more questions I'd like to follow up with sometime in the future. So, thanks for your time, and and uh, let's chat again soon. Yeah, don't be a stranger. Stay in touch, please. It was a, it was great uh, to meet you, and thank you so much for caring enough to talk to me this long. I appreciate it. And that's the end of Podcast Champion Episode 2. If you liked this episode, you can leave a comment on the website podcastchampion.strongcaster.com and you can also give us a rating in iTunes. That really helps new shows get noticed and I'd appreciate it. Until next time, thanks for listening.